Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Nathaniel Ledbetter, Majority Leader in the House of Representatives. Also, the V-Team takes a look at Mo Brooks's fundraising, and the school board takes a look at critical race theory. We have found the witch, may we burn her? Burn She is a witch. She looks like one. Yeah, she looks like Hmm. They'll probably use the same logic. It looks like a witch. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. Welcome to The Voice of Alabama Politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Charlie Walker, assistant editor at APR and freelance journalist at New York Times, Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire and my constant companion, mm -hmm. and Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR and all-round great guy. Welcome. Hi, guys. You sure? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great introduction, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People should hear what goes on behind the scenes. You know, something we didn't get to last week, and we have to get to it this week, is Saturday last, uh, Mo Brooks, uh, who is running against Katie Britt in the Senate race, also Linda Blanchard and, and a few other folks, uh, but former President Donald Trump decided to bash Katie Britt and, uh, you know, basically he said she was uh, tied to Richard Shelby and Mitch McConnell, rhinos and old crows, and that she had been uh, Shelby's assistant when, in fact, she had been his chief of staff. But I guess that was a dig at, 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 at her. But, Susan, why in the world on a Saturday afternoon would the former president of the United States decide to attack Katie Britt and not Linda Blanchard or... Uh, Jessica Taylor or any because Mo Brooks knows who he's running against. Yeah, it's very very clear She's raised 2.2 million dollars in three weeks He's basically raised nothing and you know, he's 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 having to call in the big dogs this early on I mean, we're it's June. I mean, we're here in July of this year I was almost a year before the primary and he's already calling in the big dogs to come and take up his case? Well, he's obviously I don't know about scared Trump being dead. a big dog. Well, anyway, I mean, if that's his hey, best he's play. Big dog. He's a big dog in Alabama. Yeah, but, but that's his best play, right? Right. I mean, to me, Josh, it was sort of like, you know, some school kid going to his daddy and going, Daddy, I'm getting beaten up by a girl. Protect me. I mean, come on. Well, in, in Mo Brooks' defense, I mean, what else is Mo Brooks' defense? <laughs> you know what I, mean? uh, uh, I mean, what else is he going to rely on? His record? He doesn't have no, one no. of those. Uh, he, he's done nothing for the people that he represents. Uh, so, I mean, what else is he going to fall back on? He's not been a great public servant. Uh, the most he's ever done is talk and talk and yap and yap to benefit Mo Brooks. And that's all he's done. I mean, you look back at his history in the in, in Congress, and he's been there for over 10 years now, and he's got one 
resolution passed to rename a post office, and that's that's it. That's a wrap. Uh, Terry Sewell did did more last week than he's done in 10 years, okay? Think about that. Terry Sewell, with a bill she passed to help people uh, get sewer services uh, in rural areas, did more for her community and her constituents in a week than he's done in 11 years in, in Congress. You were going to say, Charlie? Oh, I was just going to say he could do so much more in campaigning for the people of the state of Alabama if he would keep his fat nose out of every camera lens that popped up in front of him. <laughs> but the only thing he's done that, that he can put his name to is voting against everything that has to do with the Huntsville area, the defense contracts, the uh, you know the space program there. He, he's voted against sending money back to Alabama. You know what kind of representative is back. that? Yeah, I mean, I've been looking at this guy's history, and he said that he got into politics mm-hmm. because he did not want to get drafted yep. into the Vietnam War. Now, back in the, that, that day, you'd have been called a draft dodger. That's still what we call him. But he didn't want to be drafted. <laughs> but then he was appointed DA... Mm-hmm. Uh, in 91 in Madison County. He was so unpopular, the voters kicked him out yep. in 92. Uh, he ran for statewide I office. I think we helped kick him out, actually. <laughs> statewide office twice, and now is the third time. And I don't think, unless Trump can help him, he gets he gets across the finish line. I really don't. There is so much baggage that we, yeah, that, that that's out there. It's, it's just going to be so much. He's fun. Roy Moore. He is really Roy Moore once you, I mean. I, but Roy Moore served. Yeah, Roy, Roy Moore, Moore was a, yeah, yeah, he he, did. Well, he he said he got into politics because he did not agree with the war in Vietnam. He did not want to get. Well, he didn't want to get it draft. He didn't yeah, say he I know. Be drafted. Exactly. He didn't say he didn't he agree was, with it. Yeah, he, he later he, was he the said draft, he didn't agree but, with it. Yeah, anyway, yeah. he amended. Well, he, he's flip flops in many ways. Who can keep up with? Well, him? anyway, but Bucks uh, is just—he's pathetic. He's groveling. He's whining, and I love it. Because he's scared of Katie and it shows. Yeah, he is. And, you know, he called her an assistant. And I I thought. That was was so demeaning. And and, and some of that has to do with the fact that she's a female. Yeah. Yes. All right. I I would bet that most of it has to do with the fact that she's female, that he called her an assistant. He had to degrade her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nothing new about that, right, Josh? But let's take a look at money. Uh, (laughs) Katie Britt's raised uh, over $2.2 million in one month. And the last filing that we can see on the FEC reports, Mo Brooks only raised a, a little less than $300,000. I mean, and he's been complaining about that he's not getting enough money from folks, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, I, I wrote this week about how, uh, you know, at this point, I don't know the avenue that he has to, to get funding, not a significant amount of funding anyways. He'll get some from out-of-state people, which he has. I think so roughly 60 or some odd percent of, of what he's gotten so far is from out-of-state folks. And uh, But if you look at what's what's taking place here, he's been cut off from the big dogs um, nationally because of the January 6th stuff. So a lot of the defense contractors that would ordinarily give to him, they're not they're not going to give to him. I think Toyota has also agreed not to give any more money to him. Um, you know, the state folks, uh, you know, the big mules in the state, they're not going to give any money to him either because they're backing Katie Britt because she's a sane human being. So, uh, you know, um, when you when you're looking at if you're a business person, what you want is stability and sanity. And there's only one person, you know, in between those two uh, that can they can hand you that. 
Um, and so that, that's, that's not coming from them. So if, if we're looking at grassroots, basically just voter donations, small donations, uh, and Katie Britt is saying in her first filing that 90% of her donations were small from, from in-state, and he's getting 60% from out of state. Well, then that's also a lot of trouble for him. So, yeah, I, yeah. you know, I, in money wise, you know, money doesn't win every race, but a lot of money tends to do a lot of good in a race like this. All right. Well, that's going to have to be the last word. People are voting with their pocketbooks and they're voting for Katie Britt. I have to say one last thing. I think that teat just dried up from my Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. So you got caught speeding. But this time you got more than a ticket. What are you in for? Vehicular homicide. Stop speeding before speeding stops you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. Your career isn't a job. It's a journey. Your next job could lead to bigger things and you're in charge of how fast and how far you want to go. At alabamaworks.com, you can connect with employers and start working right now. Then chart your path forward with training and career planning tools. That next paycheck is great, but it's only the beginning. Start a great success story at alabamaworks.com. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest today is Nathaniel Ledbetter, majority leader of the Alabama House of Representatives and a Republican who has the number two spot in the House. Welcome, sir. Bill, it's good to be with you today. Good to have you. We've been, we've been trying to make this happen for a while, and finally we, we've gotten around to it. So thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. With everything we've had going on with COVID and all the issues, it has been difficult, but I certainly appreciate the opportunity and hope you and your family's doing well. We are, and I hope you are too. Uh, you know, you're the number two. Uh, you were elected to, to be the majority leader uh, of the House, of the Republican caucus, and that in itself is a huge responsibility. But something that I, I think some of our viewers are not aware of is that you were tapped by Governor Kay Ivey to look into the mental health crisis, the problems, and to find answers for the mental health needs of Alabama citizens. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I, yeah we've been working on it uh, going on two years now, and it's, you know, I'm excited about the direction we're heading. And we, uh, during the session, uh, pre-COVID especially, we used to have meetings with the governor uh, with leadership and the governor just to go over issues we felt like it's important to our state. And a lot of things have been happening in my district and across the state that, aware, that I was aware of. And I told her, I thought, you know, with our economy growing like it was and jobs growth was at all time high, that, but I felt like we were failing miserably in mental health. And she asked me if I would, if I would oversee a task force to try to do something about that. And we, we did. And, you know, I'm excited uh, today where we've, come to at that time we didn't the state didn't pay for any professionals to be in schools to you know help with their children 
Today we have 102. We budgeted to have it this last year where every school district will be able to put a mental health professional in their school. So I think that's important. You know, if we can catch some uh, issues young and, and help them uh, fix those, that's that's the goal. The other thing is with our crisis cure centers, we just really didn't have anywhere to send people with mental health issues from the hospitals or the probate judges or the sheriffs. Now uh, we're in the process of an opening three and it sounds like there'll be another bid led uh, to give us the fourth one. And we've actually got a uh, ribbon cutting this coming week for the mobile unit that will be used. So we went from zero to four with a mobile unit, which is huge. And, and then our CIT training for our, our officers across the state, uh, A-Post has, has took that up and, and run with it. And, that's important for people's out in the field and, and run, you know, with the, with their daily jobs and run into people with mental health issues. So I appreciate you bringing that up. I think we made a lot of strides and certainly we've had a ton of people helping us from the governor to all the leadership in the house and the Senate and uh, the task force members that has helped me put these programs together. So we're excited about that. It's a big issue. And I think we've only, you know, we've, we've had the tip of the iceberg, but at least we've had a strong star. We've added, the first year the governor put $30 million in it, this year she put another 10, so we're at $40 million that uh, we're gonna be helping people with mental health across our state. Well, I know from what you've seen and what I've seen, and especially this last year, is we can't waste a dime. We're not wasting any money on mental health. It is needed, it's part of public safety and a part of caring for the people of our state and for the future of our state. You know, as we were talking, I'm sorry, go ahead, please. No, you're 100% right, and that's what we talked about that day in the governor's office once the conversation got started. We realized it affects every aspect of our, our state, you know, from education to businesses to employment and everything else. You're, you're exactly right. Well, you know, it, it is, and you're right to, 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 to head that up. We appreciate that. One of the other things is, as majority leader, you, you work with the folks very closely in the legislature, uh, making sure that the caucus stays together, that everybody's communicating with each other. From your vantage point, what are some of the key things that the legislature is looking at and needs to be looking at, not only now, but in the future, if you if you could go cover that for me? Sure. You know, there's always a lot of issues in our state. Of course, one of them, you know, is, is pressing that the governor wants to do something with his prisons. And we had met talks last week. We've talked to our caucus about some of the issues that we've seen early on. And once uh, the governor comes to a conclusion about what the Senate and the House can agree upon, we'll call our caucus back together to keep them informed on what's going on. And I'm sure she'll have a call with them. That's certainly one issue. You know, our broadband issue, uh, we continue to try to uh, expand broadband across our, our state. And we passed some legislation in recent in the recent session, it'll, I think it'll help do that first, you know, uh, your before last, uh, I guess it was HB 400, certainly helped with that because it gives us right-of-way access for expanding broadband and so right, right. during the pandemic. So those are two major issues I think we'll be looking at. Uh, you know, one thing that I was involved in this year and was proud to is our state park system. You know, our state parks have grown so much. Mr. Blankenship's doing a good job, and, and we passed a bond issue for the people to vote on to help improve our state parks and bring people in our state. So there's a lot of issues, a lot of good issues out there in our education system trying to strengthen the end. Our budget was the largest that we've had in state history, and we're trying to make sure that we put the money where it needs to go. And 
and we are working on that uh, tirelessly and will continue to do so. Uh, we got about a little less than two minutes, but I want to get this in. Uh, Speaker Mac McCutcheon is retiring after this uh, next session, and uh, you are looking to secede him as Speaker of the House. Uh, share with our viewers why you think it's important for you to take that position and, and how will you lead the caucus and the House? Yeah, well, you know, of course, Mac is a dear friend and we work closely together. And as you know, he'd come in in a tough situation and oh, yeah, oh, yeah. job. And, and of course, we come in right behind him. We had a tough situation from the House side with a, the Speaker and the Majority Leader. So uh, we worked closely for the past several years and I think, you know, our leadership styles, even though we are close or different because of, of just personalities that we have, but there's a lot of things that I'd like to see us continue to do. And we mentioned some of them. I mean, Alabama's got a great opportunity. Our economy is uh, was at a growth prior uh, to the pandemic that we've never seen before. I'd like to see us get back on track with that and, and bring good jobs to our state. I'd like to see us continue the conservative budgeting that we've done. I think that served us well during the pandemic because we were one of the five states that come into that, out of that in good position. And I certainly think we should continue on that path and, and work in a relationship with the members. I think that's important. As majority leader, you know, we help them uh, try to be successful in their districts and help them in their elections. And we've been working on some of that already and, and look forward to the new cycle. And I know we got a lot of open seats and I, I've talked to a number of people that's interested in some of those seats. I think we'll have some good people coming in, but we hate to, you know, we got some good people that we're losing and I certainly hate to see that, but I understand too and have had conversations with most of them. So I think as, as speaker, you got to make sure that you understand that you got 105 members and you, you serve the whole house and certainly we have relationships on, on the other side of the aisle as well that we've built over the years. And I think one thing that they would tell you is, you know, if I tell them something, that's usually the way it's going to be unless something happens that I can't control. Right, I think right. I think transparency is important. I think being able to communicate uh, and have a conversation on dialogue on issues you agree or disagree on is important. And certainly, well, and I appreciate you, you, your leadership. I know that I, I hear great things over the state house, and I want to thank you for joining us today. And you're always welcome. Well, Bill, I appreciate it. I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on here, and look forward to uh, being on here again. Thank you very much. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Our special guest has been Nathaniel Ledbetter, majority leader in the House of Representatives. We'll be right back. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this, this. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice. Managing your time, communicating effectively, and working as part of a team are key skills that employers value. At alabamaworks.com, you can find out how to build on your experience to up your game and get the job you really want because it's out there. Start your new success story at alabamaworks.com. Sponsored by Alabama Works, the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station.
Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You know, this is a subject I just soon not cover, but we have to cover things and we have to expose things as they are instead of the way people tell us they are. Uh, this past week, the Board of Education here in Alabama had a meet at one of their meetings and they were considering critical race theory and to ban it from the state educational system. Now, currently, there is no one uh, teaching critical race theory in Alabama, according to the superintendent. No one's teaching it. Also, it is not a school-age subject. It is a master's, PhD-level college course that has nothing to do with what people are saying it has to do with. But we're not going to change anyone's mind because this has become a boogeyman. Yep just like sex education was in the 60s and 70s, like evolution has been off and on, because people are always putting their nose into education to try to really put their, uh, not let people learn, but put their own little spin on it. And this is just a new spin, Susan. It is a new spin. It's like you said, it's the new boogeyman. I mean, sex education was supposed to cause us all to become communists. This is 2021. Yeah. I'm not a communist yet. No, it was a communist plot, according to John Birch Society. Yeah. And and then evolution. That was also a communist plot. Yeah. And gee whiz, we're still not communists. So this is just the new little boogeyman. And what they're trying to do is say, well, if you teach this, then it will encourage African Americans to to, to, to be on welfare, it'll, you know, all, all those little spots, all those little hot buttons, which it has absolutely nothing to do with it. I mean, Governor Ivey did say that she's, uh, you know, she's for intellectual freedom, but she did lean, because it's an election year, into banning critical race theory. And I don't know how you ban something when you don't even know what it is. And it doesn't seem like our Board of Education actually knows what it is. I know our lawmakers don't. Well, I think I think some of them know what it is. Uh, there was a nice little spat at that at that board of education that I listened to, and uh, you know, it, it just it's it's a ridiculous notion. Uh, and what it's all based in is is a bunch of white people worried that the the things that they've been teaching their children are are going to you know their the children are going to realize that they were full of crap. Um, and it, uh, really, I don't understand why it's uh, it's such a detriment to our country to uh, to inform children uh, that some of our founding fathers weren't exactly the greatest men ever. Uh, you know, they did a great thing, uh, but they were flawed human beings as well who owned slaves and did terrible things. Uh, that doesn't make the the country any less than the greatest country that we know, uh, but it does it does give you an accurate portrayal of what happened and and what led to the way we are today. Uh, and I, why would you not want to better understand your neighbors and your friends? Why you, why should you not want to better understand what took place and, and why people are are trapped in some of the circumstances that they're trapped in? I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and the other thing that it has never made any sense to me is why people are so afraid of learning that their ancestors did horrible things. My ancestors did horrible things. I, I would like to try to know what they did so I could be better than them. Well, I mean, my dad told me, he said it wasn't that our family didn't want to uh, rape the land and and uh, scourge the environment. We just never had the opportunity. Uh, but there you go. It's not like this is a core curriculum. This is even at your master's level, your doctorate level. This is not a required 
subject. This is an elective subject, seriously. And it's it's a it's a big thing and big things to Republicans that they don't understand are very scary. But I mean, if you just try to boil it down and get like one point across, like the theory states that racism is a part of everyday life. So people white or non-white who don't intend to be racist can still make choices that fuel racism. My favorite one has to be is I don't see race or I don't see color. Well, if you don't see color, then you can't see the patterns of what has happened. So. Good point. That's good a point. really good point. One hundred percent right. And, but the, you know, I, I want to say that what they're talking about banning is not critical race theory. What they're talking about banning is any discussion that might contradict what they're telling their kids at home. Yep, okay, yep. that's what they're talking about banning. That's what they're upset about. All right, they're not talking about critical race theory because it's not being taught. What they want is they don't want a teacher to tell a kid in a civics class that the crap that they're learning at home is incorrect. That's that's what they're worried about. Well, the thing that bothers me, and I, and all these things bother me, but you know, we were have you know the terrible events of George Floyd's death, mm -hmm. the protests that uh, followed, some very peaceful, some turned violent, but yet. This was a turning point, which you, what I would thought was a tipping point <clears throat> where we could talk about race and be better for it. This, at this thing right here, this critical race theory, is wanting to smother out those conversations mm -hmm. and turn it into something instead of a, <coughs> how do we come together? It's how do we divide? Again, this is what I see here. Again, again, and again, and, again, and it repeats over and over and over because, you know, it, it seems that in this environment, nobody wants to come together. Everybody <coughs> wants to divide, even down to the polarization of the two parties at this point. Yeah. It's all about division where it well, used to be about inclusion. Well, and, and, and that's we what's tearing this country be. apart. We hope it would. I'd like to. I'd like to pick up <coughs> a little bit on the on the two parties because there's one party that wants everybody to be together. Okay. There's, there's one party that wants to, to implement voting rights. There's one party that wants to have these conversations. There's one party that wants to talk about this stuff, this stuff, and, and get a true and accurate history out there. And the other party that desperately wants to stop it all. Um, and and I think that there's a very clear distinction between the two parties, and we know which party is which in this scenario. So I I, I think that it, yes, there's division, but it's not a division that's equal. Well, right. and my my feeling on this is is that. Uh, you know, both parties are going to do whatever it is they can do to win. And this is how red states are losing. I mean, this is how they're winning in red states. Right. This is not going to affect Massachusetts. It's not going to affect, uh, you know, California. So this is a way to keep the base in red states stirred up so that we don't, you know, we exactly. don't have good choices. Exactly. That's my opinion. I, I'd hope we could talk about the COVID-19 surge that's in here in, in Alabama. Well, uh, it's not anything that's going to go away. No, it's think. not going away anytime soon. Get vaccinated. We, yeah. yeah we get need, it done. We need to do it. All right. You've been watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.